Part Three, Chapter Twenty One of Quo Vadis, A Tale of the Time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part Three, Chapter Twenty One. After the performance in Caesar's gardens, the prisons were almost empty. New victims, indeed, suspected of the Oriental superstition, were still seized and imprisoned, but fewer and fewer people were captured, so that it was difficult to fill out the program of the spectacles which were approaching. The people had become sated with blood, they evinced great weariness and increasing alarm on account of the unparalleled conduct of the victims. Fears like those of the superstitious Vestinius spread among thousands of people more and more the people talked of the vengefulness of the christian god the prison fever which had spread all over the city increased the general dread funerals were frequent it was reported that fresh victims were needed to placate the unknown god in the temples sacrifices were offered to jove and libitina at last in spite of all the efforts of tigellinus and his followers the belief spread rapidly that the city had been set on fire at the command of caesar and that the christians were suffering innocently but for this very reason nero and tigellinus continued the persecution to placate the people fresh orders were issued to distribute corn wine and oil new rules were proclaimed to facilitate the rebuilding of houses and these rules granted special privileges to the owners new ordinances were given out also as to the width of the streets and the materials to be used for building so as to avoid fires in the future caesar himself participated in the sessions of the senate and counseled with the fathers as to the welfare of the people and the city but no favor was granted to the doomed the ruler of the world desired to impress upon the people the idea that such cruel punishment could be inflicted only upon the guilty in the senate no voice was raised in behalf of the christians for no one cared to risk caesar's wrath besides those who looked into the future asserted that the very foundations of the roman empire were threatened by the new creed the dead and the dying were given to their families as the roman law took no vengeance on the dead Vinicius consoled himself to some extent with the thought that should Lygia die, he would bury her in his family vault, and himself rest alongside of her. He lost all hope of saving her from death. Half separated from life and absorbed in Christ, he did not now dream of any union save an eternal one. His faith had become so strong that eternity seemed to him something incomparably more real and true than the fleeting existence which he had lived up to that time his heart overflowed with happiness while yet alive he had become transformed into an almost immaterial being which longing after a complete deliverance for itself desired it also for another he imagined that when freed from earthly bondage he and lygia would go hand in hand to heaven where christ would bless them and allow them to live forever in a light like that of the dawn he only implored christ to save lygia from the torments of the circus and let her fall asleep in the prison feeling that he himself would die simultaneously in view of the enormous amount of blood which had been shed he could not hope that she alone would be saved he had heard from peter and paul that they too must die as martyrs the sight of chilo on the cross had convinced him that the death of a martyr could be sweet hence he desired it for both himself and lygia as a change from a sad and wretched condition to something better 
at times he experienced a foretaste of the afterlife the sadness which hung over the souls of both was gradually losing its former burning bitterness and changing into a peaceful and heavenly submission to the will of god vinitius who formerly had striven against the current and had struggled and tortured himself now let himself drift believing that the stream would bear him into eternal rest he divined also that lygia as well as himself was preparing for death that despite the walls of the prison which separated them they were going onward together and this thought brought him much happiness in fact they were going onward together just as if they had exchanged thoughts every day lygia had no desire or hope save the hope of an afterlife she looked upon death not only as a deliverance from the terrible walls of the prison from the hands of caesar and tigellinus but as the wedding day with vinitius besides this certainty all else lost importance after death there would begin for her even earthly happiness so that she awaited it as a bride waits for the wedding day the great current of faith which swept thousands of believers away from life and bore them beyond the grave seized ursus also he also for a long time could not resign himself to the thought of lygia's death but when every day through the prison walls came into the prison news of what was going on in the amphitheatre and in the gardens when death seemed the inevitable lot of all christians and also their good higher than any earthly idea of happiness ursus did not dare to ask christ to deprive lygia of such bliss or delay it for long years to come in his simple barbarian soul he thought also that the daughter of the lygian chief would possess more of those heavenly delights than the common crowd to which he himself belonged and that she would sit nearer to the lamb than others though he had heard that before god all are equal still a conviction lingered at the bottom of his soul that the daughter of a chief the chief of all the lygians was much better than a slave he hoped also that christ would allow him to continue to serve her his dearest wish was to die on the cross like the lamb but this he considered bliss so great that he did not dare to pray for it although he knew that in rome even the lowest criminals were crucified he thought that he would certainly have to perish torn by the teeth and claws of wild beasts this was a source of sorrow to him from his childhood he had roamed through forests in pursuit of wild animals while still a youth thanks to his superhuman strength he had become famous as a hunter among the lygians hunting was his chief delight so much so that later when in rome he visited the menagerie and the amphitheatres just to look at beasts known and unknown to him the sight of these incited within him a great desire for struggle and killing so now he feared that when he should meet the beast in the arena he would be possessed by thoughts unbecoming a christian whose duty was to die piously and patiently but he committed himself to christ and found other thoughts to console him hearing that the lamb had declared war against the powers of hell and evil spirits which according to the christian creed included the pagan gods he thought that in this conflict he might be of considerable service to the lamb and serve him all the better because he believed that his soul must be stronger than that of others he prayed through entire days rendered service to the prisoners helped the jailers and consoled his princess who regretted at times that in her short life she had not been able to perform as many good deeds as the famous tabitha of whom the apostle peter had told her 
even the prison guards who feared the great strength of the giant since neither chains nor bars could restrain it took a liking to him for his gentleness amazed at his serenity they asked him the cause he spoke with such certitude of the life that awaited him after death that they listened with astonishment seeing for the first time that happiness might come into a dungeon whither the sun's rays could not penetrate and when he exhorted them to believe in the lamb it struck more than one of them that his own service was the service of a slave and his life the life of a wretched being and more than one fell to thinking over his lot the end of which was death but death brought new fear and promised nothing whereas the giant and the maiden who resembled a flower cast upon the floor of the prison these two looked upon death with delight as the gate of happiness end of part three chapter twenty one